This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. If you have your Bible or any other biblical device, you can turn to John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And may the Holy Spirit guide you through your day. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Isn't that great to see our young people involved in the services? reading scripture. In fact, the whole reason we've began this new series called Shift uh, is because our students went back to Tennessee for the Covenant Youth Convention uh, called Chick, and the theme was Shift. And so a lot of the topics and the things that we're going to be talking about the next several weeks, our students were exposed to uh, while they were there at Chick this summer. And you know, the whole idea is that we want to shift our perspectives. We want to get in alignment with the Lord so that our lives are in alignment with Him so that we can bear much fruit, so that our lives can be lives that glorify Him. And so the next several weeks, we'll be talking about different aspects, different things that that we want to look at shifting. And today is shifting our relationship with God. By the way, when you go out into the welcome area and while you're signing up for your home group, uh, you know, it's great. Remember last year or earlier this year, we took the pulse survey to try to get a, a sense of how we're doing as being a, a healthy missional church. Remember that? And we got those results back. And, and one of the things that you told us is that you wanted more opportunity for relationship, more opportunity to grow together relationally. And specifically, you said that you wanted opportunities for home groups because you asked, right? We have seven opportunities, different nights of the week for you to connect. And uh, we want you to know that we hear you. And that we are committed to, to shifting our priorities, shifting our perspectives, so that our alignment is where it needs to be so we can bear much fruit. And we want to do that together, right? Uh, I think of my days back in Sonoma County 
the beautiful grapevines, and the grapes would grow in what? Clusters, okay? And what a beautiful image of us connected to the true vine, that is Jesus Christ, and as our life literally flows from the vine. Our life literally becomes the very life of Jesus Christ in us, through us. We at Community Covenant Church are like this beautiful cluster of ripe fruit. Isn't that great? And, and can you imagine here Jesus is the vine God is the the vine dresser or the one who cares for the vine. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever grown vegetables, if you've ever grown fruit, what is it that gives you that great joy, that great pleasure as you plant and as you water and as you fertilize and as you prune beautiful imagery that we have in John 15 this morning and you come out and you see that fruit, what does it do? You just, doesn't it make you feel great? Doesn't it? I mean, it makes, I mean, it's wonderful. And, uh, you know what? I just know that blesses the Lord. In fact, in verse 8 of chapter 15, it talks about bearing much fruit and doing what? Glorifying God the Father. And so when we think about shifting today our relationship with God, when you leave today out in the lobby, you'll see a, a, a chalkboard on the wall. And it says, shift your relationship with God. And then it asks a question. How is my life shifting in relationship to God? And that chalkboard is there for you to interact with the sermon series. As God moves in your heart, not only this week, but in the weeks ahead, there'll be a question there that, that corresponds with the message. You'll have a chance just to write out your answer. And today the answer is, how is your life shifting in your relationship with God? And uh, that'll form a beautiful picture of ripe fruit, of cluster together that are sharing this experience of being cultivated and nurtured and pruned by the Lord so that the very life of Christ would flow in us and then out of us. Isn't that a cool thing? So, I'm going to do something a little different today. I want to, I want to give a disclaimer, right? Kids, alright, those of you that are here, this is not an endorsement of sugary sweet drinks that rot your teeth, that cause your parents to have to pay the dentist bill, or that make you unhealthy, okay? Parents, did you hear that? Alright. You know, to me, I look at life through the lens of the mystery box. I am always looking at things around me, and I'm trying to make spiritual, biblical application. You know, Jesus did that as he taught, didn't he? It's uh, parables, parabolic teaching. He took real life experience. He took imagery from things like a vine and branches. And he, and he used them to convey spiritual truth. So today is going to be the parable of the sodas, okay? The parable of the sodas. And uh, I'm going to put them out from right to left across my table. You might recognize some of these.
Okay. Now, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, I just removed from a bag six 20 or 16 or so ounce bottles of different kinds of soda. And from my right to left, I have Orange Crush, 7-Up, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, and Coca-Cola. Okay? Now, when I was walking through the store, I was looking at all the sodas, and I was thinking about how each soda has a slogan. And that, that slogan is used by marketers, advertisers, to get into your head, and, and somehow it's supposed to cause you to want to reach for their product. And I was thinking about the, the different slogans associated with these six sodas, and as I thought about them, I wanted to make a, a, an application to life, a spiritual application. I thought how each of these sodas and the slogan that has been given to them by the manufacturer to represent some aspect of what it's supposed to deliver to you, how they parallel in many ways the spiritual lives of people who are seeking after God, and in many cases, Christians, and how that impacts and reflects upon their relationship with God. Today, we're talking about shifting our relationship with God. The question is, how is God, how am I shifting in my relationship with God? So over here on the right, I have what? Orange Crush. All right. You know what the slogan is? Rush, rush to the crush. All right. Rush, rush to the crush. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how sometimes the pursuit of God can take the form of religiosity, of Life lived by the rules, okay? The weight of rules, of spiritual living. And some people literally rush, rush for the crush. A life lived solely in following the rules is a life that crushes one's spirit. Do you know that? Uh, We call that legalism. Now, the thing about it is there's some truth. There is some truth in it that as followers of Jesus or those seeking a relationship with God, we want to please God, but that's obedience. And obedience flows from the heart. Obedience is, is not something that's done by, by uh, force or because there is the hammer of the law over your head, Right? Obedience is a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ as His life literally flows in you and through you. You want to be obedient. You want to be a Christ follower. It isn't a mandate that is externally imposed. It is a result of life that's what describes the interior of your spiritual life. Jesus addressed those who had been crushed by the weight of the law. And he said, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and travail, and I will give you what? Rest. Right? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet... There are some who try to live their lives apart from the life of Christ in them and through them, apart from that connection, 
the interior reality of their life apart from the life-giving vine. And the weight of religiosity crushes them. It weighs them down. Rush, rush to the crush. Now, closely related to that, 7-Up. And what's 7-Up's claim to fame? It is the Uncola, right? 7-Up is the Uncola. Um, no, what is it? I've never had it. No caffeine, never had it, never will. Now, okay, it is un. So, 7-Up wants to be known by what it's not. Now, it's closely related to the crush, but it's a different expression of the crush. There are those who, in their pursuit of God and their relationship with God, their whole life is about being the unperson. They want to be known by what they don't do, what they are not. Okay? I don't do this. I don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do that. And so on and so forth. So the identification with their spirituality is based on what they don't do. Alright? And oftentimes, that is in an attempt to be pure and holy before God. I don't do these things because I want to live a pure life. Is there anything wrong with a pure life? No. Okay? But as followers of Jesus, we want to be known for who we are, who He is in us, and the life that flows out of Him, the life that comes from the vine, is the very life of Christ. We want to be known for who we are and what we do. You see the difference? Not what we don't do. Alright? We don't want to be un-people. Right? We want to be people of the vine. We want to be representative of the very life of Christ. His Ministry, His Word, His mission in and through us. Alright, the third type, Mountain Dew. Do you know what their slogan is? Do the do. Do, 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 do the do. Alright? So you want to do the do. Do you know, for some people, their life... Their spiritual life is a life that is very exterior and it's a life of just doing. Just doing. It's constantly doing. They're not human beings. They're humans doing. And rather than, right, prayerfully discerning what it is that the Lord may want them to do, how Christ wants to give a living expression in and through their lives, rather than doing that, they just go out and just try to do everything. Right? They want to do the do. All right? That's a, a Mountain Dew spirituality. And in order to do that, you have to have more sugar than any of the other drinks. And this one does. All right? It's got to keep you going. Now, as I go through these, I hope you never look at these beverages again the same way. All right? And I hope your life, your interior life of following Jesus is never the same again. I hope that what we're talking about today will cause you to want to make a shift in your relationship with God. Alright. Here we go. The fourth one. Dr. Pepper. And what's Dr. Pepper's slogan? Yeah, I'm a pepper, be a pepper too. But it's real thing is it's so misunderstood. Remember the song? Dr. Pepper, so misunderstood. Alright? Alright. Yeah. Some of us relate to Dr. Pepper, don't we? Alright? But when I think of 
misunderstanding. For some, the Christian life or the pursuit of spirituality is, is all about not being misunderstood, but having all the right answers. Right? Uh, I'm going to um, have a, a, a spirituality that's reflected in my my intellectual ability to understand and to have the answers to the Bible. All right? Now, is that a bad thing? No. God calls us to be people of the Word. We believe in the centrality of Scripture, but we don't want to be like the religious leaders in John chapter 5 where Jesus addresses them and says, Listen, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have life. But you miss the very thing that they're talking about. And there he was. All the scripture points to Jesus. And he's standing right in front of them. And they are missing it. Okay? They're missing it. They're missing it. And so, Bible knowledge. Knowledge of scripture. That's important. Hebrews 4.11 It tells us that the Scripture is alive and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides joint and marrow, and it discerns the intentions of our heart. All right? It's a good thing. But knowledge of God does not replace knowing God. You see the difference? The Word of God helps me know Him and understand Him. Well, now we get to Pepsi. Now, what's Pepsi's slogan? Hits the spot, yeah. Hey, it's the choice of a new generation. All right, it's the choice of a new generation. And I'll tell you what, in our spiritual life, we have all kinds of choices to make. There are lots of choices. And we live in a world where those choices are increasing. And those choices more and more and more. The choice of the new generation, even those who practice faith, even those who pursue spirituality, the choice, unfortunately, of the new generation is to move farther and farther and farther away from the connection with the true vine. Okay? In the name of trying to make the one who gives life, Jesus Christ, culturally relevant. So the way we're going to make Jesus relevant is by moving farther and farther and farther away from Him as a source of true life. That doesn't make sense. But that's a choice of a new generation, isn't it? I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always relevant. He always will be relevant. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the first. He is the last. He is the true vine. All right? Yeah, I get amen for that, can I? Man, I'm getting my Baptist on. Okay? All right? And then... We have Coca-Cola. And what is Coca-Cola? It's the real thing, baby! Right? It is the real thing. Now, all this is for a reason. You were hoping that, weren't you? Alright? Here's the reason. Think of yourself, a first century Jew, a follower of Jesus having had a radical life transformation, 
still trying to figure it all out. Jesus is with you the night before he's about to go to the cross. He's sharing with you lots of important things. He's celebrating communion. He's washing your feet. He's he's giving you the most important things that you're going to need to remember. He wants to impress them upon you. All right? And all these disciples are people who are living in a religious climate where all these things are present. And all these things are substitute for the real thing. Who is the real thing? Jesus. What he says in John 15.1 is radical. Okay? You've got to understand what this really meant. In John 15.1, Jesus says... I am the true vine. Now, I want you to see the I am statements in John. There are seven of them. This is the last one. The I am statements in the Gospel of John. He says, I'm the bread of life. John 6.35. I'm the light of the world. John 8.12. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the life. I am the true vine. Psalm 98.9 says this, speaking of Israel. You see, the vine was a symbol of Israel. It was a prized symbol. They saw themselves as the vine whom God planted in the land that he gave them. And God planted them to bear what? Much fruit. And that fruit was to be a light and life to the nations. And yet, somewhere along the line, they lost that connection. They, they misunderstood the fullness of what God intended for them. And in, in Psalm 889, 8 8-9, it says, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Jesus is saying to them, they're thinking that the nation is a vine whom God has planted. What is Jesus saying? I am the true vine. Okay? And what I have is is now available. It's no longer a, a, a promise to a single nation. It never was intended to be. But there's life that's available. And it, and it doesn't come through a connection with a nation. It comes through a connection with a Savior. And that life now flows from the vine out to the branches. And the branches now are enabled... To bear much fruit. God intends for us to bear fruit. Now what is fruit? Where is it? Definition coming up. Oh, there it is. I'll read it to you. Fruit is the character and product of a Christian's life that brings benefits to the lives of others and advances God's work in the world. Okay? You know, from the very beginning, in creation, when God created the plants, He said, you're to bear what? Fruit. When He created the animals, He said, you're to bear fruit. When He created humanity, what did He say? Be fruitful. And so we see in creation and now in redemption, fruitfulness. God desires fruitfulness. And this is what we see. And so, we know that God intends for us to bear fruit. In fact, in John 15, it says that, verse 3, You, 
are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That The word in the Greek there is logos or logos, right? And it's the word of God that has been spoken to them by Jesus, the true vine, and the word purified them. The Lord, what? Cleanses and transforms their lives. Okay? It's an internal thing that happens as a result of the word in their life. And we think about Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. The word cleanses. The word purifies. The word is living, alive, and active. Okay? And what's the promise? That person, you and I, are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields in its, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. Three things here in relationship to what Jesus is talking about, about the cleansing of the word. Three things the word of God does in the interior of a person's life. Number one, it condemns sin. Number two, it inspires holiness. And number three, it promotes growth. What does it mean to be fruitful? It implies what? That there is growth. There is spiritual production. And so God desires that we bear fruit. Fruit results from intimacy with Christ. You see, it's not a matter of doing all these right things that in and of themselves have an aspect of truth, okay? It's not a matter of the exterior life that leads to the interior reality. It, what Jesus is saying here is that fruit results from your connection with me. It is the interior life that leads to an exterior reality. You see the difference? And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Fruitfulness results from intimacy, with Christ. Now, in just the chapter before, Jesus had said this to them. John 14, 23 through 24. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Obedience is an expression of love. Okay? My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Union with Christ is union with the eternal Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Co-eternal, co-equal, co-powerful. It's the Trinity. It's a mystery, yet a reality. And what Jesus is saying here is that when we are united with Him, we are literally unified with that eternal community of the triune God, of the Trinity. That's great stuff. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not mine. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, by the way, it's what? The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that empowers us. And that's the source of life. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom God will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Okay? So not only does God want us to bear fruit, but that fruit results from life that comes from the vine. It's Christ's life in us. Okay? He lives in us and through us. It's that flow of life. Finally, bearing fruit is literally bearing Christ's likeness. Do you know that? That we are so connected to Him that the Scripture tells us that our thoughts, our attitudes, our hearts are so in tuned and inclined with Him, the vine who gives us life, that causes us to bear fruit, that we're so in tuned with Him that when we pray, our prayers are in accordance with His will. And because they're in accordance with His will, we see prayer answered because we're praying in accordance to the will of the one who lives in us. Do you see that? Man, that's not only vine life, that's divine life. But there's a unity, a union, and a oneness there that results in such intimacy that we literally can pray according to the will of God. Because even when we don't know how to pray, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit who dwells in us prays out on our behalf. It's good stuff. So bearing fruit is bearing the very likeness of Christ. Finally, Matthew 7.20. Jesus, when he's talking about false prophets, false disciples, right? He talks about this thing about fruit. And in Matthew 7.20, he says this, Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Let me rephrase that. Thus, by their likeness, their Christ-likeness, thus, by the very image that they project, the life of Christ that flows in and through, you'll know. You'll know. Now, in this section of verses, there's also, it talks about a pruning. And God is constantly pruning and working in the life of the vine and the branches to cut back and to bear so that fruit, good fruit is, is born. And God is constantly working and caring in our lives. He's cutting us. He's pruning us. His objective is that we do what? Bear much fruit. But that fruit comes as a result of a connection with the real thing. Jesus. It's not an exterior activity. It is a flow of an interior reality. Now in this section, it also says that, that that those branches that don't bear fruit get cut off. They're good for nothing. In fact, they impede the growth of the branches in the vine. Alright? Now, scholars debate what all that means. But understanding in the context of this, he's just been talking about Judas. And Judas had just asked a question that he sought to answer. And now he moves into this discourse. Many scholars believe that Judas is an example of one who hangs out with Jesus, is close to Jesus, is following Jesus, but does not have the life of Jesus in him. Okay? Because you go to McDonald's doesn't mean you're a Big Mac. Alright? And Jesus is using this illustration, and many scholars think that, that it's talking about Judas. He was cut off. Because there really was no life. There was no connection. 
because in his life there was not the real thing there were all these other things you see that that's sobering isn't it and so this morning what I would encourage each of us to do as we come into a time of communion is to reconnect with the vine coming to this table we're coming to the one who is the source of life Pastor Tyler would you lead us Lord Jesus we thank you and uh, as an expression of uh, our coming to the communion today table today we want our hearts to be open to you reforming and reframing Lord, we have not, any one of us, reached the end of the journey. There's a deeper, greater place that you're calling us to. Help us to be open to that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift of life. We recognize what it cost you. In Jesus' name.